2: Everyone to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host Patricia Baker, and I am here with my two illustrious co-hosts, Patricia Kirkman, PK, a very famous numerologist, and our resident very famous psychic medium, George Lugo. Hi guys, how's everything?
3: Hey there. Great. Doing
1: great,
2: great today, forward. honey. It's been great. Yeah, we've got one heck of a show. Tonight we have John Edmonds and Bruce McDonald. They are co-authors of the new book, Stardust Ranch, The True Story. We're going to hear things. Now, we've had John on the show before. I know you guys remember. Great show. We learned so much about what John and his wife Joyce have been through at the ranch. And now they've come out with this great book we are telling everybody to go out and buy it. You can get it on Amazon, and it's going to give you details that we didn't even hear on our live shows, but we're going to delve into all of this tonight with both John and Bruce, and please feel free to call in with your questions. Our number is 563-999-3539. Again, that's 563-999-3539. But first, DK, we've got to talk to you because there's so much stuff yeah. flying in the universe, and you've been following the numerology on this whole royal debacle. So catch that is us an up an understatement. On this. <laughs> is it an understatement? Okay. okay. See, well, catch us up well, on this. Well, I'll just on. start our
3: conversation off with her father says that she is turning the royal family into a Walmart with Crown on top.
2: Ugh. That's
3: pretty sad. <laughs> pretty sad. Oh
2: my gosh! Yes, that's terrible. So,
3: I took a look at what's going on with them at this point. We talked about them last week, but I think this will kind of wrap up what we've had to say about her until she makes another stupid. Uh, shall we say another stupid event that she'll put out to the rest of us, like wanting to sue the papers for taking pictures of her and the baby and the dogs walking, saying that they've jumped out of the bushes. No they didn't. If you watch it, they're watching her they're stepping in front of her. She's posing for them, but yet they're quote harassing her so I don't know. Anyway make a long story short we're just taking a look a quick look here at I looked at the birth names of Megan and Harry and taking a look at the baby's situation here. Right now, Megan is in a seven personal year. So for her, it deals with legal issues. And, boy, she's going to be hitting those for sure. Harry's in a one year. It's all about fresh starts and new beginnings. But at the point in time that they got together to get married, Harry was in a nine year. Nothing started in a nine ever lasts. It always has major issues with So that's part of it. She was in a six, so she had pretty much control of what was going on. And for her, in her chart, that's, that's a karmic issue to begin with. But little Archie, he's born into a five-year major changes going on right from the get-go, and he's in a six-year, so issues within the family is going to be his major problem. And it will be a problem for him because it's going to involve his digestive and how things are going. It's going to affect him in many ways. It'll start, firstly, with the digestive, as I said.
2: Wow, so it's going to affect health.
3: Yeah, and in his chart, his major problem, parent-wise, is going to be the mother figure. Gee, is that a surprise? <laughs> so, right right off the bat, we, our poor little guy's got a lot of issues he's going to have to work with. But the end result is Harry and Megan, I'll, I'll give them maybe five years. Oh, you're That's generous. Just well. <laughs>
2: Some people are Let's
3: saying it one year. And may stay together for five years. <laughs> but uh there's there are too many things going on right now. She if you take a look, any time <laughs> that there's a camera around she's posing. Yeah. It's never nothing is just off hand, you know. There's no real uh, pictures candid. that are just Yeah, can can't you, George. No candid pictures. They're, she's posed in everything. Harry's candid yeah. because he's just I know, like I hate to put it this way. Harry has become the dog of the backseat. He just kind of rides along with whatever's necessary and whatever he has to do. But it's on her choices and what she wants. So she set things up that when this is all over. I keep thinking of, of uh, the Duchess and Duke of Windsor way back, and it's kind oh, of yes. like an instant play. Be careful what you so, wish you know, for, you might get don't it. Don't
2: you think when that happened way back then, there there was some honesty to it. It just seemed like, yeah, I guess that should have happened the way it did. But there's something about this that just feels so off. And well, because
0: it is. It, because Politician. it is. I, I think
3: right. that Firstly, she goes by Megan, and that's her middle name. That's her emotional side talking. Her real name is Rachel. She doesn't go by that. And using the name Rachel because of the way it's set up, there again it's me, my, and I. That's how her chart comes up: me, my, and I. She's very detailed about the money's very important to her. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this does play out. Like I said, there's too many sleight of hands that we're going to see. They've already got some deals in the works. They had them already set up before they ever left. But these are coming on her part. Even her best friends have started backing away. And it's going to be interesting to see how it ends up uh, faring in the long run. But it's not going to be a pretty picture, I don't think. But that's just my opinion from what I see. Because there's legal things going on around her all year long. This does not end until... Uh, around October, and that at that point in time, it's going to start. There's going to be things that will affect her finances, and what's going on there. Harry, poor soul, he thinks he's in charge. Boys, you got a surprise coming. It's not going yeah, to happen. I don't think
2: he's figured that out yet. That's really too bad. No. I, I don't wish anything bad on any of them. I know none of us do. No, I don't but. either. But you know, it it was more about
3: greed as opposed to need. And I think that's what's happened where she's concerned. And same thing with her first husband. If someone's no longer of use, oh, well. And if you can turn your back on your own family. Her mother left when she was a youngster. And at 11 years old, the father was the one that ended up taking care of everything and raising her, sending her off to school, getting her, her college degrees and such as this, which is wonderful. Now, Mama's back in the picture, and Daddy has nothing to be seen. Mm. kind of
2: strange yeah. very very uh there's a lot of rejection patterns going on in that family that's for sure
4: mm-hmm.
2: and i I'll tell you honestly, I was quite surprised at all the negative comments I was reading online about oh, Meg- yeah. about the way she acts the, you know how she comes across She hasn't warmed the hearts of anybody. you think of Princess Diana, mm-hmm. she was so loved. She was yes. revered in so many ways and so uh, honored mm-hmm. for who she was as a person. It's just a direct opposite, unfortunately. Well,
3: I think Harry thought he was getting a clone of his mother even more of a shock for him when reality really sets
2: in. Oh, boy. Yeah, well, and uh, you haven't been wrong lot, yet, PK. Or, you have not been wrong yet, and all of your predictions – from the last several years, you've been right on the money. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a bet on you on what you have to say about how long this is gonna last because it's clear, like it you for said, the money. anything in the nine years uh, he, is gonna come
3: to an end. Like said, yeah, I feel sorry for him because he's given up his entire world, and he's gonna have to be there for that young son of theirs because she'll use the boy. It will be abused as time goes on because it's all about
2: her first. Oh boy, not a good way to be a mom. Well, we'll see what happens. But like I said, you haven't been wrong yet—not not once. So appreciate I all of your name. insight on this. Really do. Yeah, we'll so, just pray
3: that nice things can happen for the
2: youngster. Yeah, maybe everybody's eyes will be opened in a good way. We'll see what happens next. So in the meantime, everybody, if you need and you would like your own personal numerology reading, be sure to reach out to PK. You can find her at PatriciaKirkman.com, and you can also find her on SupernaturalGirls.com. And if you want your own psychic mediumship reading with our best-in-the-world psychic medium, George Lugo, you can find George at com. Again, that's com. Also on Supernatural Girls, we have on our website our famous and powerful candles on sale. Also, soul realignment readings, dream analysis. Reach out to me on the site and we'll set something up for you. And, again, go to our Facebook page, please. We have so many great stories that we posted this week. So follow us. You'll be able to keep up with everything that we're putting out On Facebook, lots of UFO pictures and great pictures from the Stardust Ranch also. That's on Facebook and Twitter, so be sure to follow us there as well so you can keep up with all of what we're doing. Like I said, we're taking you down the rabbit hole every single week. And so tonight, this is so exciting to have this subject back and John back with us again because John is such a great guest and he's told us so much about his adventures with this good and bad and now he's back tonight with Bruce McDonald. Now just a little background. When John and his wife Joyce Edmonds found the Stardust Ranch in the Buckeye area area of Arizona, they thought they found their dream home. Now Joyce wasn't so hot on it and I'm sure we're gonna hear about that. <laughs> but John was in love with it. Was it? He was he was getting a good price, and so they they got the ranch. But they got the surprise of their lives with it when UFOs began turning up in the skies above the ranch and aliens started showing up in their home. doesn't stop there. They've had experiences with men in black, grays, samurai swords are a big part of this and tonight we are so, so honored to have with us John Edmonds and his co-author, Bruce McDonald. Guys, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you very much. Okay. It's great to be back. Yes, thank
6: you very much.
2: Well, I'm glad you made it, Bruce, all the way from Costa
0: Rica.
6: I, I have a Skype subscription. I, I, I needed to do my work. I still work in uh, software and telecommunications remotely, so it uh, was really no inconvenience.
2: That's Wonderful. Horrific. Well, we're happy to have, very happy to have you with us. So, so much to get into tonight. I'm going to stop talking and just ask you, John, to uh, give us a little bit of background. I know our audience is pretty well versed in your story, but if you could catch up the rest of the people that may not have heard how you found the ranch, and then, of course, don't leave out the <laughs> swimming pool story because that's a that still is a big mystery. It's never been solved. So. Take it
5: away. That's the truth. Well, thank you. Um essentially Joyce and I had been looking around all over the country uh for a ranch that we could afford or a farm that we could afford that we could have horses. And you know, we wanted a nice house, we wanted a few amenities, you know, we wanted some land, but it had to be near a city where we could both work because you know, we had a little bit of money but not a lot and you know we had to replace it by having employment so you know we traveled when we could and we went all over and we just really couldn't find anything that met the criteria and then lo and behold we got a call from uh, a realtor and he said you know hey i think i might have found the place for you and i said well where is it and he says it's in rainbow valley arizona and I said, well, you know what? I'm from Chicago. I never heard of Rainbow Valley, Arizona. Where's that? And he said, well, it's a it's an area that's unincorporated. It's about 35 to 38 miles southwest of Phoenix, and it's kind of close to Buckeye. And I said, okay, well, you know, let's go out and take a look at it. We went out and looked at it. Uh, he didn't even go with us. Uh, he literally just gave us the address, and Joyce and I drove out there and looked at it. And from the very moment I saw it, I said to myself, you know what, this might work, uh, you know, 10 acres, uh, beautiful landscaping in, in terms of the natural beauty of the mountains. Um, you know, and I thought, wow, you know, it's a great price, you know, why not? And Joyce looked at me and she goes, not so fast. And I said, well, what's wrong with it? And she says, feel the energy. And I said, what's the feel? It feels like a good deal. And, uh, <laughs> You know, as far as I was concerned, I think I was here about 10 minutes. And I said, yeah, this is, for me, it's a done deal. And she was horrified. The more she walked around and looked at it, the more she hated it. And, you know, I try to be Mr. Logical and tie her down and say, okay, what is it you don't like about this? And she goes, well, it's a gazillion miles from Phoenix, and that means I'm going to have a long drive every day. And I said, well, yeah, yeah. Um, but we've already looked at all the communities north of here. We've looked up at Flagstaff. We've looked all over the country. If you were planning to keep your job, this is so far the closest place to keeping your job that I can have horses and that we can live in the country. And, you know, gradually I kind of broke her down with logic, and so she said yes. And He
2: must really love you, John. (laughs) That's a fact.
5: She does. And I, I and I, I've gotta say after all these years I have a tremendous amount of guilt and probably even more so after writing the book with Bruce because uh you know, I realize just not only how much she has given up, but you know, just how severely it's affected her, uh physically and, and every other way. Wow well, So we bought the ranch. We bought the ranch and we went to move in and the next thing you know, When we drove up in our rental truck from Glendale, uh, where we had been living, uh, the people that actually we bought it from hadn't moved out. Even though they'd had plenty of time and they set the date and the whole works, um, they didn't move out. And so we were absolutely horrified because here we are. We're basically homeless. We can't move into the new ranch, and we have a truck full of all our stuff. And I've got, you know, a pair of Rottweilers with me that are absolutely uh, fit to be tied, literally. And, uh, you know, it just wasn't a good situation. And I called the realtor and I said, what gives? I paid cash for this place. You know, it's a done deal. I mean, it's our house. Why are these people still here? And the realtor said, I don't have the foggiest idea. Let me get on the phone and get hold of them. So he eventually tracked somebody down. And they told him that uh, they would go ahead and make arrangements. So he called me back and said, okay, can you, you know, occupy yourselves for 12 hours while these people move? So we went out and had breakfast, had lunch, had dinner. Uh, you know, we, we did everything we could think of, you know, because we had the dogs. It's not like you could just lock them in the car. And, uh, you know, we, we came back uh, about 8 o'clock that night and did a walk through, and everything was out of the house. It had been cleaned up, and I thought, okay, good. This is much better. Tomorrow we'll move in. And then I thought, you know what? I should probably, just to make sure, I should go check on the pool because I've lived in houses with pools before, and ultimately pools uh, can be sometimes a lot more trouble than they're worth. And sure enough, this was one of those times. So I went to walk out, and I opened the doors in the back, and I walked out into the area where the pool was. Lo and behold, yes, the pool was running, the lights were on, the filter was on, but the pool was full of every single piece of furniture, every appliance, every box, you name it. It was all in the pool. These folks or somebody working for them or associated with them didn't move them at all. They just moved everything into the pool.
2: And there was water in the pool, and they just threw it in the water? You
5: betcha. You you. betcha. This was a a nine-foot-deep diving pool, and everything was stacked in the water all the way to the bottom and about six feet above it.
2: That is so strange.
5: Yep, and I called the realtor, and I said, what gives? Everything is out of the house, and now it's all in the pool. And he just paused for a second, and he said, well, you wanted them out. And I'm like, yeah, but off the property, not in the pool. That's not moving. And he said, well, it's yours now. Good luck.
3: <gasps> Good that's Lord.
5: Awful. And that was it's it. Awful. I spent like the next week uh, dragging everything out of the pool, and I had to go and get a winch to pull the appliances out and, and uh, you know, drag them out and put them out front.
0: So Now,
2: in the book, well, you guys, uh, you and Bruce talked about the fact that he never did get a hold of the owners. And so. Well, I don't know.
5: That, yeah. I don't know that he actually talked to the owners, but he did talk to somebody. Uh-huh. Okay. So, you know, it, it's one of those things. I mean, you know, it, for all I know, he never talked to anybody. He might have just turned around and, and paid a couple of goons to go do what he did. Uh, mm-hmm. I have no idea because mm-hmm. after that, we didn't have much more contact.
2: That's a very strange way to start it it off in your new home. (laughs) Oh, my God.
5: Well, And it just kind of went downhill from there, you know. I mean, soon after that, we started seeing things. We started uh, having experiences with a particular individual that has sort of uh, ethically become known as the uh, machete man who apparently lived in a shack on the back of the first five acres of the property. And... We didn't know about him. He just all of a sudden showed up and and, uh, told me that he lived here. And I was like, what do you mean you live here? I live here. I just bought this place. And he goes, well, I live in the back there, and I kill the monsters. And as soon as he said that, I just said to myself, oh, God, here we go. And, uh, you know, it was just one thing after another. I told him I don't need anybody to kill the monsters, and he ended up leaving. But on his way out, he turned around and looked at me, and he said, you know what? You're going to be really sorry.
0: Oof. And I
5: thought to myself, well, that's a threat. But, you know, in, in retrospect, I kind of wish he'd hung out because, in fact, we did have monsters. You know, I didn't know at the time, <laughs> um, but in turn, we really did have monsters.
2: You did, and you still do. So Yeah, let we me still ask,
6: do. <laughs>
2: let me ask you, Bruce, have you been to the ranch?
6: No. No. And, no. and I don't think I'll, you... I don't think I'll be going anytime soon.
0: <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wonder oh, why. Oh <laughs>
6: Well, I I got a pretty good sense of it, you know, writing the book. Um, uh-huh. you know, John and I um tried to write the book in 2012. Um, I quit halfway through and uh I just found it a bit the whole thing a bit disturbing and it just sort of sat in my unconscious and then we we got back together in 2019 and and I finished it but you know everybody asks me the same question do you want to go out there and and my answer is no not really <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I think some some people um can benefit from it there's there's a very positive energy there um when you get into the later part of the book when the, John had the cleaning in 2011 with uh, a woman in the Arizona area who came out with a a couple other uh, associates. You know, she she told me when I interviewed her for the book that there is a very, very positive energy at the ranch as well and that in fact may be attracting um, the negative entities. It's kind of a uh, I, I guess associated with the portals, but Simple answer is, uh, I might go someday. You know, I, I, my son wants to go. He's twenty-two, and uh, maybe maybe we'll go out, John. Maybe we'll go out for three days and um, and see what it's like. If you get the if if you get the swimming pool cleaned out, I don't like really hot weather without a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I need to have your priorities, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, John, I have a I question wanted... for you. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, so, John.
1: This, yeah, this is George. Um, um, Hi, George. question is, uh, you know, you've been there quite a while now, and this thing has been just kind of expanding and all of this. Now, the aliens that are there that come to visit, does it seem like there's more of them now because they know who you are and they, I guess, feel at home there and they just kind of show up more? Or is it about the
5: same? Well, George, I would tell you this, and that is we've had documented by somebody that was here that actually was keeping track. At one time, we had 152 grays or 155, I don't remember which, uh, on the property that he documented. And so, yeah, I would say there's probably a lot more of them at certain times than other times, but we have no clue why. Uh, Hmm. Unfortunately, with this whole thing, we're, we're still observing. Um, And and there's really no trends. I mean, there's very few things that that we can say, well, when this happens, then within a certain amount of time, something else is going to happen. It it just it's a it's a very free flow situation. Uh, We have had more different types of, of, of aliens showing up. I mean, we've had mantis beings show up. And now, as of this last May, we started having a completely different species of ET show up um, that I have no name for. I don't even know what it is. It, it's a very unusual in the literature. But I've never seen anything like it. Um, I've showed it to a few people. Nobody's ever seen one of these before. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if Patricia put it up on her website.
0: I, or I'd put, it, put up, it up, you know, her, someplace yeah.
5: where people could see it.
2: Yeah, it's on the Facebook page, and I sent them uh, right. the photographs from Bruce to both, uh, both of you guys, both PK and George, so you have them
3: mm-hmm. to
2: take a look at. Oh. And is this the the one that you're referring to, John? Is this the rainbow-colored one?
5: Yes. Yeah. It, it's, okay. it's a very, uh, it, it, and I'll tell you what. When it showed up, I mean, literally, I was sitting on a sofa. Uh, in my area where I had my computers and uh, a big long table set up. And all of a sudden it appeared right in front of me and it was 3D. And I could hear a friend of mine telling me, John, you can't just see these things. You can't do what you've done before, which is just sit there and and stare at stuff. You actually got to get some pictures. And so (laughs) I picked up my phone and I set it on photo and I started taking pictures. And the interesting thing was, It didn't care. It let me take those pictures. It didn't Hmm. pose any kind of threat to me. Um, It didn't communicate with me in any way, shape, or form. It just stood there. But it was very three-dimensional, and you can't tell that really from looking at that picture. You can actually see right through it.
2: Yeah, you can, but the thing that was so weird about those pictures, and you did take quite a few of them, which was a good Hmm. idea, they have teeth.
5: Yes, you can see the jaw moving back and forth inside yeah. of its mouth.
2: And these I know, long it's the teeth. strangest
5: thing. I know. Yeah, it's like, what's up <laughs> with what these teeth? That's what I teats? said when I... I told you, that I thought it was kind of scary looking.
2: Now I see why you, know, you said that. that.
5: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely. mean, it, it, it's, you know, the colors are, are kind of uh, disarming. I mean, you know, you know pink, rainbow, blue, whatever. I mean, you know, you you don't think of those as being very threatening colors. But it was it was spectacular to see this thing because it, it didn't make any threatening moves. It didn't do anything that would cause me to go grab a sword and, you know, try to hurt it. Um, I just sat there and I tried to send it good vibes, you know, because, you know, now that I've been around Facebook long enough, I've had, you know, every person that ever wanted to see an alien tell me how I should behave when I'm around them. And uh, <laughs> so I've decided to uh, take some of the hints actually try to use them and so you know i tried to be very relaxed and i tried to be very uh you know to send it love you know that's what i always hear send it light send it love okay so i made my best attempt at trying to do that and lo and behold it didn't try to run it didn't try to hurt me it didn't try to hurt an animal or anything else it just stood there and looked at me and i thought well maybe i'm not sending it love the right way but that was the best I could do under the circumstances. And uh, it seemed to to be very cool with me. Uh, and it, it hung out for like 10 minutes. So that's a you long know, time. I, I yeah. Myself, yeah, that's a long time. And, and yeah, you know, yeah. I shot a bunch of pictures. I shot some orbs, uh, great big green orbs on the ceiling as well. I don't think I probably included those. Um, but, I mean, it was an amazing experience you know and, and you get to debut uh, debuted it right here on on your show
2: yeah uh, the the pictures are up on facebook there is one picture i posted for everybody to see i'll be posting more tomorrow that uh mm-hmm. bruce was kind enough to send over and it is a remarkable uh, image i i have never seen an alien like that before i've seen quite a few because we have so many guests that we interview and we've been interviewing people for so many years about this, but I've never seen anything with rainbow colors. How about you, George, and PK?
3: it's, nope, it's never a surprise. have. Just a surprise. Yeah. What about you, George? Did Have you?
1: No, 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 never seen anything like that, especially with teeth. I mean, I would think like, you know, I'd feel like a Thanksgiving turkey, but it wasn't too terrible. The teeth bother me. Know.
2: Yeah, I mean, the uh-huh. teeth are something else, so... I want to again suggest to everybody in our audience, when you have a chance, uh, go to our Facebook page for Supernatural Girls. You will see the rainbow photo, the rainbow alien there, and you'll see the teeth. And we'd love to know what you think.
0: But wow. yeah, I'm,
2: I I know it was supposed to have like 57 different races of aliens on this planet, and I've seen a lot of different pictures, but never anything like that. So John, you're you are the first to present uh, that type of alien.
5: Well, I, I, as long as they don't name it after me, we're good.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: and what's so nice is you were calm about it. You spent love. It didn't hurt you. It didn't hurt any of your animals, which in the past, that has happened. And That's it's been very been concerning. Problem. Yeah, yes, because absolutely. you, I know how much you love your animals, as we love ours. And you've had trouble with these aliens doing whatever they want to do with your your animals, which is horrible.
5: Well, and and the interesting thing also was the fact this was not a small ET. This thing was probably about five feet tall, Um, whereas the grays, we've seen a lot of small grays. We've seen a few that were about five feet tall. And on two or three occasions, we've seen some that were, you know, six or seven feet tall. So, um, you know, this was a completely, it just took me by surprise completely. And it has been back a couple of times. And mm-hmm. so when it came back, I, I asked it, I said, you know, and I explained to it, I said, look, I, we don't really seem to be having a two-way conversation here, but that doesn't mean you can't necessarily understand what I'm thinking. So I'd mm-hmm. like to ask you a favor. And that is we've had a lot of problems here on the ranch with uh, ETs that have been, you know, destructive and hateful mm-hmm. and have, you know, killed or hurt animals or and hurt us Um I have no problem with you being here, you know, welcome, but would you do me a favor and would you please round up the rest of them and run them off or do something to control them so that they quit making trouble around here? And no sooner than I said, said that, it disappeared. And within a very short period of time, a couple of days after that, the ranch was peaceful for the first time since I've lived here. It was completely peaceful.
0: And all
5: all the rest of it stopped, and it's been pretty quiet since
2: that's really great. you know i a couple of things in George, I want to get your input and p k yours too, because I know you guys are very sensitive to this energy. What I pick up with this particular alien is they're related to the plasma ships, which is a whole different apparently type of transportation, and i i'm just I'm just feeling that very strongly. Um, there is a way that that they they are in those ships where those ships are alive, and they certainly can feel everything you're feeling, just like they feel everything the ship is feeling. It's a whole different way of communicating. So they obvious this one obviously heard you and responded. What do you think, George? What are you picking up?
1: Yeah, it sounds very organic, you know. And um, you should ask them um, if they can um, somehow heal any of your animals that are sick or you or anyone, you know, just asking if they can do that. That would be really something to see if they could. Uh, and I, I think it's all done through vibration, frequencies,
5: that kind of thing. Do you ever hear any yep.
1: sound around them?
5: No, there was, uh, in fact, the only other thing that I experienced was there was, I could almost feel like my blood pressure going up. Um, uh-huh. I got, I, I, I sensed, at the very end of my last time that I saw one of these things, I I felt anxiety and Mm -hmm. I I never feel anxiety. I'm a very calm kind of laid back guy. Mm -hmm. And I I could feel almost like an intensity, like uh, my heart beating hard enough that I could feel it and hear it like in my, Mm -hmm. in my hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it seemed to intensify the energy around me to the point where I was having a hard time focusing. So mm-hmm. that part that part was, you know, unpleasant, but it was, you know, not to me life threatening or necessarily even related. It might have just mm-hmm. been a coincidence. I don't know. Um, so when know, that calmed down, did you feel better? There, uh yeah, actually uh, as soon as it left, I was exhausted and I went and huh. laid down and and took a nap.
3: How is it affecting your wife?
5: Well, I mean, she's not here that much, so n- really, none of this affects her. I mean, she's, you know, she she gets home real late at night and she goes to bed. You know, we spend a little time together, and then she goes to bed and gets up and goes back to work. So
3: um, it's not affecting her overall well-being.
5: Well, I, I think the whole, I think there's a long-term cumulative effect of living on the ranch. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she's been the person that for the last few years has, you know, been the the good soldier and got up and went to work every day and did her job and then came home. Um, Whereas, you know, I've been concentrating on running the ranch and doing projects out of the ranch and and contributing that way. Um, So, you know, I don't have the commute uh, and the commute is a real burden. Uh, Phoenix is now. You know, three times the population it was when we moved in here, and so you're looking at anywhere from a 90-minute to a two-hour commute.
3: Yeah, it's it's a round huh? Going through to California, I, I, I go. Through and uh. It's terrible. But yeah, it's But what I was horrible. wondering is because of of how things are overall around, is there any? Uh, I'll use I don't know why I'm using the word residue of what's been ongoing during the day while she's gone. That affects her when she comes home Or is it just as if she's walking Into a clean slate shall we say
5: I You know I, it's a good question I don't know that she has enough Insight about the situation to be able to Tell me though um, okay. know, Usually it's get home Unwind for you know 40 minutes and then Go to sleep and get up and do it again the next day So we really don't have A lot of those kind of conversations You know it's we We've learned over the years to try to stay in the moment as much as possible, because when you when you try to do all the you know sweeping, you know analysis and sweeping generalities and all that, all you do is you just make yourself miserable. It's it's better True. to just deal right. with things you know head on, moment by moment, and, and move on.
2: Well, and also I think Joyce must have some pretty good mechanisms for protection in place because. You talk in the book about, you and Bruce wrote about the fact that she levitated while she was Mm -hmm. sleeping, but yet she didn't remember any of it, and it didn't bother her one bit. I mean, she went up pretty high in the air, didn't she?
5: She went about four feet off the bed and then (laughs) uh, got literally carried through the house and literally out the uh, carport and up into a ship. and. You know, at the time, she had no awareness of it until afterwards when she fell because I walked out there with a uh, uh, rifle and and, uh, shot the area right where the light came out of, where it emanated from, and they dropped her. And I tried to break her fall, and we both ended up kind of getting plowed into the ground. And uh, afterwards, she was horribly sick. I was horribly sick. Uh, We both had some kind of terrible exposure. Um, She ended up getting this terrible disease called scleroderma. And Mm -hmm. uh, I got real sick for about four or five days with the same thing. Skin started peeling off. Um, All the skin... The radiation? Well, you know, we went to two hospitals, and neither one of them uh, would register the fact that we had exposure to radiation. But Uh as soon as we got home from the second hospital within about two hours we started getting calls from the center for disease control. Next thing we know, we had a, a specialist, uh, within mm-hmm. about two days, uh, knocking on our front door. Wow. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it was a very strange thing. We were both really sick, but I got over it. I got over it in just a, a very short period of time and really never had any further problems with it. Um, the Government guys came, and you know they they requested to do blood and urine and, and interview us and lie detector tests and all works and we did all that, and we passed with flying colors and we've had to do it at least twice since then, and always the same thing we believe you, we know you're telling the truth um, you know we we'll just we're, we just want to keep track and see what what happens with
0: mm-hmm. well, this what are the that's reasons what we've been this- doing?
2: I, as I, we spoke about this off the air, John, that this is a very interesting uh, situation with scleroderma, is that the troops are coming back with scleroderma, and also the troops that have been involved in saucer recovery and alien body recovery are coming back with scleroderma. And how I know this is there is a woman who was able to work with a doctor and get a great new medication from Europe that takes care of the intestinal symptoms of scleroderma, which are quite life-threatening. She was on the verge of having to have her entire colon removed because it was so scarred from scleroderma. Scleroderma makes you uh, basically overproduce collagen, and it scars your exterior and your interior and then eventually kills you because your organs can't function when they're so scarred. And they were going to just remove her colon, and her doctor was very proactive, found a medication in Europe, and she took it for three months and totally reversed the scarring. So she never had to take it again after that. So it was a miracle that this happened. But then she got a knock on her door from the DOD asking her to come and talk to them about scleroderma and the medication that she used. They also made her sign a non and she wouldn't say, she was unable to talk about why, but we know why. I mean, this is is Mm -hmm. something that also ties in the UFO exposure. That's
3: right. Well,
2: you know, it's all interesting that, that,
5: you know, the troops in general are being exposed to this because, you know, I can see retrieval teams that are going out to sites, you know, where there's crashes. Um, because you know the the radiation or whatever energy is out there is going to be pretty much uncontrolled at that point. But you would think they'd wear suits. You think there would be protection.
7: And if if they're
5: getting sick, even with protection, then that even brings up more questions. Because then what we're looking at is some kind of energy source that that human technology doesn't have a way to deal with. That's for
2: is sure. It, we'll or like is to. it? Ex- yeah, and it also could be exposure to certain microbes that uh, we don't have a way of managing in our own biological system. So it takes over and does something it shouldn't be doing. There's a lot of questions with this disease. It's very deadly. It, is, uh, it has a lot of tentacles to it. And so it's a horrible thing. You're lucky you got over it. And unfortunately, well, and see, did they were not.
5: they were fascinated by that because, you know, they were there right after we got sick. Um, in in the fact that they got a, everything from both hospitals. And so they had two different sets of records from two different sets of hospitals with two different individuals, and they had the ability to create, you know, some pretty good analysis probably because of that. And it was clear that, you know, I mean, I have the photographs. We were deathly sick. And, you know, we were losing, you know, large amounts of skin. It, it looked like we had been severely burned by, like, boiling water or or something like that. I mean, just huge patches of skin on our hands and our feet came off uh, down to the point where we were bloody from it. And then in a very short period of time, four or five days, I got completely over it. Hmm. So, like it never happened to me.
3: Incredible.
5: Yeah, and and that was part of the reason that they kept wanting blood and stuff from me. Because they're like, well, what did you do to yourself? I'm like, I didn't do anything. You know, so apparently I have some kind of special resistance or or something. I don't know what it is.
0: You
2: scared it away.
0: Yeah, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) If they're able to
3: take blood from you, is that able to be used to act as a uh, – not a placebo, but something that will take care like of a others that are working with it. Like a vaccine, yeah.
5: Well, they took a ton of blood from me. I mean, I, I just, I mean, I've, you know, I, I felt like I was a, at a blood drive. I mean, they, they <laughs>
0: took Sounds like you were. Seriously. They're
2: just draining you. Uh, oh, goodness me. Well, we're going to take well, a very uh, short commercial break. And then we come back. Bruce, I want to bring you into the conversation because when you started having – the conversations with John about the book, Strange Things Happened in Your Skies in Canada. So we want to find out more about what happened to you because it sounds like this had pretty much of a wide reach and it got their hands on you, too. So uh, we want to hear about that. So everybody stay tuned. We're going to take a break. And you are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. We'll be right back. Pure
8: Essential Oil Specialized minerals, and a revolutionary anti aging technology. Astridian combines the best of all scientifically proven ingredients in easy to use creams, lotions, and concentrated serums. Astridian's advanced line of products take your skin to a new level of being healthy and beautiful. We offer a variety of collections that address all your skin concerns. The Essential Anti-Aging Series treats and moisturizes your skin for a long-lasting, younger look. The Multivitamin Series promotes healthy skin with high-quality vitamins and minerals. The Sports Series restores skin from cellular damage and stress. Astridian also offers a revitalizing solution for hair and a professional series for doctors and medical spas. Visit Astridian.love today and begin your new journey to healthy, beautiful, youthful skin. Astridian Beyond Your
7: Expectations. There are a lot of psychics out there. How do you decide which one is right for you? You look for someone who empowers you, who's practical and spiritually connected, who says, Here are your opportunities. Here are your challenges, and here's a way to deal with them. And then gives you your own toolbox to make your life everything you want it to be. Hi, I'm Corby Mitleid, and that's how I work with you. As a certified professional tarot reader, I've helped thousands of people for over 40 years through my toolbox. Cards, past life retrieval, numerology, spirit guide conferences, and mediumship. Whether it's career, relationships, finances, or your spiritual road, Together, we can replace your confusion with clarity. And you'll probably find a little laughter along the way. Visit me at CorbyMitleid.com to find out how to cross your bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. And tell me you found me at Supernatural Girls for a special gift with your reading. Corby Mitlide, the practical psychic for catching your tomorrows today. Find me at CorbyMitleid.com That's CorbyMitleid.com
9: Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Are you frustrated with endless mantras, affirmations, and
4: processes that promise to align your life with your dreams only to find yourself years later in the same space where you began? Do you feel like you must be doing something wrong because nothing seems to be working? Don't you just wish that someone could shift your consciousness for you and your life could align with your desires without all the effort? Well, your wish is about to come true. Hi, I'm Carrie Cannon, and I have a gift that allows me to align the consciousness of others to be in harmony with their dreams. The best part is, it requires no particular effort on your part. Upon listening to a consciousness alignment, people have reported instant energy shifts, financial windfalls, Soulmate connections, healed relationships, physical healings, and more. To gain access to a free trial offer for my entire Manifesting Miracles Library of Consciousness Alignments, go to commandmiracles.com now for details. Again, that's commandmiracles.com for information about our free trial offer. That's commandmiracles.com.
2: Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co host Patricia Kirkman, PK, and George Lugo. And we are having quite a conversation tonight, learning so much again from our guest, John Edmonds. He is the owner of the Stardust Ranch in Arizona, has had... Amazing adventures, some of them good, some of them not so good, with aliens on his ranch. And we are also joined by his co-author, Bruce McDonald. Now, the book is called Stardust Ranch and the True Story, and you can buy it on Amazon.com. We highly recommend the book because there's more information than we can ever get to in 90 minutes on this show. So it is available, Amazon.com, Stardust Ranch, the True Story. So Bruce, tell us what happened to you when you got involved with the situation.
6: Okay, um, there were there were two attempts at this book. The second one was successful, which produced um, Stardust Ranch: The Incredible True Story. Now, <clears throat> I, I was not looking for for this kind of story in, in my life. I, I periodically take time off work. Um, in software and telecommunications to do a book project. I've written three novels and 2 nonfiction books, the second one being Stardust Ranch, The Incredible True Story. Um, a mutual friend of John and mine contacted me and said, hey, you got to hear this story. This is an incredible story. Uh, you're going to want to write this, and I think you can do it. And I said, okay, uh, I'll, I'll take a listen. And I reached out, and John and I connected in 2012, and I started to listen to, you know, what was happening. I'm not the most paranormally literate person in the world. I, I'm not really in this world. I, I don't really follow exopolitics that much. But John's story was so captivating. I had the time. I was between work contracts. I'll say I said I'll take a go at this. Now what happens is. <clears throat> Generally, when you write, you create a concentration vacuum, and when I'm working on a book, I really can't do anything else i I have to be free and clear of any work obligations. The only thing I can really uh, attend to is is my personal life, my wife and my dog and my cats and things like that. but other than that, I just go completely zombie as as I think most writers do yeah, and it builds up uh, yeah. It builds up a kind of um, an energy and a connection with the material. And when that happens, and when that happened with John's material, the first thing that happens to me is I I usually get a very, very pronounced uh, dream presence. And so I, you know, and I mean the kind of dreams that wake you up in the middle of the night, you know, kind of scream, don't forget this dummy. Those kinds of dreams.
0: <laughs>
7: and
6: very, very 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 specific to what's going on in the book um and they seem to have an element of protection to them it's hard to describe the second thing that happens is the entire time i'm working on this book there's an incredible disquiet around me it, from 2003 to 2005 i worked on a true crime nonfiction book about a, a very unfortunate murder in toronto I worked on it with the Association in Defense of the Wrongfully Convicted in Canada, and their, their lawyer teams helped me work through the material, and I wrote a nonfiction book. Now, when I wrote that book, I would wake up in the middle of the night talking to the victim, and uh, so the writing, the writing really gets into you, right?
0: Yeah. And
6: in, in the Stardust Ranch book, it was just kind of always the hair up on the back of my neck Another thing the first time I worked on the book a lot of electronic problems and wow. I'm a computer guy even here on the mountain in Costa Rica I've I've got nine computers I've got about eight lenovos uh, the the IBM uh, thinkpads and I and I've got a big iMac and I I know my equipment the way the way a soldier knows his gear and the kinds of things that happen aren't really normal so there's a kind of an electromagnetic um, interference that comes about. Not That was really distinct the first time I worked on the book with John. And and to be honest, I, I'm not as versed as everybody else in this conversation um, seems to be in, in this world. And so, I, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit, I, I got spooked. I, you know, I got spooked and I, I didn't want to finish the book. And I, I found that it affected the people around me, too. I don't know if I was transmitting the energy somehow, um, but people around me would be, would be crankier and they're much more prone to argument and things like that. It was, it was just like kind of like an evil totem, the whole thing, when I was working on it the first time. Now, the second time here up on the mountain, I didn't have as many equipment problems. We had a lot of communication problems on Skype, John and I. A lot of the calls got interrupted. Um, I don't think it had anything to do with our internet connection. But the disquiet was in full force here. And because I, lived in, I live in such an isolated environment now, I live in a region called the Talamanca Mountains, which is a UNESCO heritage site. It's pure rainforest. It's absolutely gorgeous. I really had the sense that there was this presence around me when I was writing the book, and it was not, not, a, not a comfortable presence. And so I, I, I took to doing meditation sessions in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening for 30 minutes to try and maintain my, well, let's call it my inner hygiene, as the Taoists might call it. Mm-hmm. And, but it was reaching a point where it was really starting to bother me again. And I was about to reach out to John and say, look, and I felt so bad about this because I quit on him in 2012. This has happened to other writers who have tried to work on this book. It's very caustic material. It's almost radioactive at the psychological level. And just as, just as I was reaching my breaking point, I, I woke up about 10 days into this write of the book, and there was a ball of white light at my ceiling, and my wife, Rosemary, was in bed with me. She, she, she described it as an angelic presence. I don't, it, was like, it was like luminescent water, we, we snapped a couple photos of it with our cell phone. I've shown it to all my friends.
0: And it, it sort of
6: cleaned everything out, Pat. And, and everything, I was able to finish the book. I have no idea what happened. I'd love to hear the opinion of um, this panel of hosts because it was really quite a magical experience in my life. So I experienced a little bit of a negative, and this time something positive came in to help create a space where I could finish this book.
2: That's very powerful. And I think your wife was right on the money when she called it an angelic presence. Sounds like it raised mm-hmm. the whole vibration around you. What do you think,
0: yeah, uh, you guys, I, yours I,
2: and PK?
3: I think it was, it's finally had it reached its time. I think that was part of it. It wasn't quite ready yet. It's like that cake, you know, you want to take it out of the oven but it's just not quite done enough. And I think with that feeling that came about, it opened the door for the rest of it to take place.
6: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. I
1: feel, too. I feel that it um, it was just taking its time to see when, you know, they felt that you were ready for it, and then, then they exposed themselves to that, you know, to you to get this done.
0: You were ready for well, it. Well,
3: you also knew that you were the partner to work with this. To bring it out, but in
0: mm-hmm. the beginning
3: when you started, it wasn't ready yet. And when it reached the point that it was time to open the door and let it be made known to everyone else,
6: yeah, you were notified. Yeah. Yes, I I I feel very much there was a synchronicity to this book and the seven mm-hmm. and a half years. Um, between the two attempts to write it, it I, I guess it was percolating in my unconscious. It, it came out with mm-hmm. what I feel was a very strong and compelling narrative this time. The storyline came out really well. People report not being able to put the book down. And this, this is the, the the entirety of this story. You know, the 23 years that John and Joyce um, lived at that ranch is, is, is a very difficult narrative um, to circumscribe from a writer's mm-hmm. perspective, to lasso a narrative around everything that's going on at that ranch from the positive to, to where it's uh, the negative to where it gets more positive around 2011. And it's just a it's a lot to get your head around, and this time I was able to do it, but i this environment I live in is so clean and pure, I was really able to concentrate and get into it and I'm really proud that I wrote this book um and you know finally fulfilled my obligation to John and I think to something that wanted me to write this book.
2: Mhm, agree, yes. Absolutely. I mean, there are some. many... How does many-
6: your son feel about it? Well, yeah, he thinks it's pretty cool. He, I mean, he, he was really into UFOs when he was about... Uh, from about 8 to 14, he went through a huge UFO phase. Um, yeah. He was one of the first readers of, of uh, an early draft we gave out to him, and he, he enjoyed it quite a bit. I mean... He, he loves, you know. He had seen the Ghost Adventure series on Stardust Ranch, and he said, "Dad, right. you're doing a a book on that place." <clears throat> I said, "Yeah," he, and he was. The first thing he said was, "You know, can we go?"
0: <laughs> 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 and based on what
6: now people say, Bruce, why don't why don't you want to go? You wrote this book, and the reason is what I just described—that disquiet I felt writing the book. I, I, you know. It, it, something didn't want the book written, and something did want the book written, and both things mm-hmm. were immaterial and non-physical um, mm-hmm. to, to my senses or mind, anyways. But I could feel them both.
3: Yeah, Wow. I, I use the phrase that timing is everything, and I think that that feeling that you get when it's the right time, how doors open and things just start to flow.
0: Yeah,
6: yeah, I agree completely. Yeah.
2: Yeah, this is, and it is quite a challenging story to write, as you mentioned, because there's so much going on, and a lot of it is quite shocking. I mean, when, when you were writing about John, uh, John, when you lost your favorite horse to the violence of, of the E.T.'s, and uh, when you confronted them with your samurai sword, finally cut off one of their heads. I mean, this is a very scary and violent story, which... Again, it is very difficult to wrap your mind around. How do you take on an alien? And
3: yeah, so,
2: you know, be easy, right? So you get right. Into it. I mean, it's very challenging story that way. And also, I mean, hard to write it, hard to live it. I mean, John, what gotcha. you've been through, you enjoy. It's just an incredible <laughs> challenge.
5: Well, you know, something that that uh, to mention, Annette, is you know, we, Bruce took on the the situation with the doppelgangers. And that is probably one, for me at least, that is probably one of the really scary things in the story. And that is is that, you know, there were several times that I thought I was with my wife, and I wasn't. I was with something that looked just like her, spoke like her. There was no distinguishing difference until I was sitting in a restaurant looking across the dinner table at her, and that's when I started to realize it wasn't my wife. And then not too too long after that, the phone rang, and it was my wife calling me from the, uh, from the ranch, asking me why in the hell I'd just driven off the ranch and left through there.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Gary. Now, tell us the whole back story of this. So what were you doing? You were at home. You thought it was your wife you were taking to dinner. She actually well, was just... Whatever it was gets in the truck with you and off you go. I mean, what happened?
5: Well, yeah, that's the gist of it. But this actually started on our honeymoon. We were in Hawaii for a month on our honeymoon, and we visited all the different islands because we were going to move. Instead of moving to the ranch, uh, we were going to move, uh, you know, to – we actually moved to the ranch and then thought, you know what? When all this stuff started, we would turn around and get off the ranch and go to Hawaii. And uh, we ended up uh, going to Hawaii. And while we were in Hawaii, we had several experiences where we thought we were with each other. And it turned out we were with these, like, body doubles that were almost indistinguishable. And and the only way we actually figured out that we weren't together was – We would, uh, you know, she would disappear and go someplace and do something and then come back. And I'd say, where have you been? And she'd be like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I don't understand. I mean, you were here, but now you're gone and now you're back. Where have you been? And we kept having these experiences like this. And that's when we started putting it together that that we were having some kind of, you know, there were like identical, I don't know what you want to say,
0: clones Like a
2: doppelganger or a shapeshifter, one or the other.
0: exactly, exactly. And
2: so, but here's my question, okay, so you're at the restaurant, you're sitting across from something you think is your wife. She calls Mm -hmm. you and reams you out because you left her at the ranch. What happens to whatever is sitting across from you? It Did got up person. and went in
5: the bathroom. And then? It literally, and then I, at at first, you see, part of the thing is this. My wife has extremely blue eyes. And when this thing was sitting across the table from me, gradually, as I was starting to have the realization that this wasn't my wife, her eyes started getting darker and darker and darker to the point where they almost got to be a dark gray. And then it it excused itself, got up and went to the washroom and I was sitting there at the table saying to myself, What the heck? And then the phone rings and I answer the phone and my wife is like yelling at me, going, Why 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 did you leave me? And I'm like, I didn't leave you. You're right here. You were just you're in the bathroom right now. And she's like, no, I'm not I'm at home. I'm talking to you on the phone. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it it was horrifying, just horrifying. And so when
2: the the thing went to the bathroom, they didn't come back?
5: It never came back. I sent the waitress into the bathroom to look for her, and she says, there's nobody there. Whoa. Wow. Now,
2: what do you think this was? Do you think it was uh, a shapeshifter?
5: I don't know. I mean, it's, there's no insight here. Uh, It's, but it's, you know, it's not the only time it's happened and it's happened with me where uh, Joyce and I were in San Diego and uh, I went into a store, apparently came back with, with a, uh, uh, you know, something that I bought and it wasn't me. I came from around the corner and I saw her talking to somebody and I went to walk up and see what see what was going on, and she looked at me and she goes, "Where have you been?" And I said, "Well, I was over here looking at a boat and and, and she's like no you were you were just here. You just bought that that set of wind chimes and and here's the wind chimes and I'm like, "No, I was over here looking at a boat and it turned out again, this is another one of these examples where it makes no sense at all. It's it's doesn't have to happen on the ranch. It can happen, you know, four thousand miles away in Hawaii or, you know, three hundred miles away in San Diego.
2: Maybe. That is very strange. And I know. there aren't a lot well, of everything strange. Yeah. But is it strange that it happens off site and it's I mean this is, could be a time space issue or a doppelganger, but it doesn't sound like a doppelganger. It sounds like a shapeshifter because mm-hmm. it's almost yeah. like whatever this is, like when I, let's go back to the restaurant, you're sitting across from this thing and it looks a lot like your wife, but the eye color is changing. It's almost like she knows she's about to be exposed and so she goes to the bathroom yep. and doesn't come back. So to me, that just sounds like something other than a doppelganger. doppelganger is your twin. So it doesn't sound like that. It it does sound like a shapeshifter. What do you think, you guys? George, PK, what does it sound How like to you? What do you think, George?
1: Oh, okay. I I just feel like um, you know, it could even be alien. Just another way of doing it. You know, just a, a shapeshifting. Did, did you did you have sex with this person that was sitting across from you earlier that day? You know, I mean, maybe they're trying to get samples.
5: I don't know, but that's very unusual for that to happen. Well, so it that's could be, the part that was so horrible about our honeymoon was that I was with her thinking it was my wife. Right. Ooh. That's what I'm thinking.
0: Oh, wow. You know,
5: was anything different
1: about that? Did it seem uh, did it seem
5: artificial or strange or no? Nothing. I mean, I didn't notice any difference. I didn't even, mm-hmm. if, if she hadn't told me, I wouldn't have known. But, like, the last day and a half of our honeymoon, Joyce spent most of her time crying because she was so upset. And, of course, mm-hmm. I felt like a you know, total ass, but I had mm-hmm. no way, of, you know, I told her, I said, how was I supposed to know? It looked just like you, it was dressed just like you, it was, you know, how was I supposed to know? And she goes, "Right. Well, you know, you should have known.
0: <laughs> and I'm like, well.
5: Uh, it couldn't like, It be. <laughs>
2: She have well, you know,
5: I'm your wife. You should have known better. I'm like, oh,
2: okay. <laughs> yeah. hard coming back from that one, John. <laughs> I know. Oh, boy.
5: <laughs> Trust me, I, I still remember it, 23 years
0: later. Yeah.
2: Oh, my goodness. Oh, I still kept you. <laughs> now, let's talk well, a little and, and bit see, about. You know,
0: that's. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
5: Go ahead. Well, no, I was I just, just... going to say, you know, part of our relationship has been the fact that you know the reason we have so much trust is because you know we've been through this, and I mean you know this is be above and beyond, uh, you know for for you know for health and and sickness and stay together no matter what. This has been epic. It's just the entire time we've been together, this thing has just been epic.
0: Hmm.
2: Now, usually when it comes to alien contact, it's intergenerational. Do either one of you know if? Generations in the past in your family history have had any contacts?
5: Well, no. the, not not in my wife's case, but the thing that, that's interesting in that is, is I'm half Native American. I'm half Cherokee, and there's a lot of things on my mother's side of the family that are hard to explain. But, um, you know, her mother was adopted. She was an orphan. And so we really don't know anything about my grandmother. Uh, Mm -hmm. And she doesn't remember or didn't remember anything before she passed about her earlier years. But so part of the family, we had no way of being able to trace. But on my grandfather's side, on my mother's side, uh, you know, he was 100% Cherokee Indian. And he was able to tell me a lot of things way back in the early 70s that to me at the time didn't make any sense, and I really didn't put much into it. But later on, I started saying to myself, you know what, that might explain a few things. And so I can trace maybe a little bit back that way. Well, that's very
6: yeah, interesting.
2: Go ahead.
0: No,
6: no abductions in my family. My My brother and I saw a craft when I was about 9 and he was 10, Um, you know, and that's, I think about the only time I've, I've seen a craft. I've seen a lot of orbs. Um, I had, um, something going on on the mountain here where there were orbs over my house for a while. The neighbors were were taking pictures of them or not orbs, but a little bit higher up in the sky. But n- no abduction. Um, nobody's ever spoken about it. You know, m- my grandmothers, my grandfathers. Nobody's ever spoken about it at all. So, I, you know, I think I have a little native blood, being Canadian, and then I'm pretty much ethnically Scottish. Um, uh-huh. So, but I, yeah, not that, not that I know of. Not that I know of. But a, a lot, a lot of people who've been abducted uh, don't know.
2: That's right. That's right. So you did have an experience of seeing a ship you and your brother. So that's mm-hmm. that's telling right there. That something went on and you had some connection with it even if it was a peripheral experience you you still had an experience. So that's that's really interesting.
6: Yeah, you know, and and it it came up about 10 years ago. I'm 53 now and my brother is 1 year older than me, 54. It came up about a decade ago at, uh, at Christmas dinner. And, you know, my mother said, remember when you boys used to talk that crazy story about seeing the saucer? <laughs> and my, my brother's about the most rational guy you're ever going to meet in your life. He's a chartered financial analyst. He works in a financial institution in Canada. And he, he was very, very offended. And, and he said, look, I saw it. We saw it. Ask Bruce. And I said, "Yeah, we did see it. There's no doubt about it. We both remember it. And it's an interesting thing to remember so many years because we were so young. I can I remember it so clearly in my my mind. We had my family had a Volkswagen Beetle back then, so I was born in '66. This would have been about the time of the Montreal Olympics. And my brother and I didn't have our seatbelt on. They didn't have the seatbelt laws back then, and we were on our knees." looking out the back window of the volkswagen and and we saw that we saw the craft and it wasn't just like a millisecond it my we were still on the side roads we were leaving the family cottage outside of Ottawa, ontario the nation's capital and uh we looked, we saw it we looked at each other we looked back at it we looked at each other and we didn't speak about it for about till we were later on in our teens and that's when we started to talk about our parents, tell our parents and stuff, and they they just sort of laughed. But I I think, you know, my mom read this book <laughs> and, um, you know, it brought up that memory again. She said, Remember when you and your brother Ross saw, said you saw the saucer? I said, Mom, would you stop saying we said we saw a saucer? We saw a saucer. Right. You know, two people can't two people can't have an, a hallucination. So,
0: right. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But,
6: no abductions that I know of. No, no abductions.
2: Well, wow. Well, that's a very interesting story that in mm-hmm. and of itself is telling. It really is. So let's talk a little bit about another chapter in this uh, wonderful book, Stardust Ranch. When you actually you used a samurai sword. Tell us about that.
5: Well, um, I had started out using a a baseball bat, an aluminum baseball bat, because I live in a brick house, and this is a one-off house. I mean, it was, you know, a home-built house by a guy who knew how to build houses, and the brick walls on the inside of the house are exposed. So the same brick that's outside is the same brick that's inside, and this house is huge, and it's very sturdy but you can't use a gun or any kind of, of uh, weapon in it that you have to worry about something bouncing off a wall or bouncing off a cement floor, or something like that, because you could easily be injured. And so, yeah. you know, the easiest thing for me was uh, I had a little aluminum baseball bat that I got at a baseball game, a major league baseball game on bat day. And that worked pretty well, but it didn't have the, the ability to kill. And I really wanted to kill one of these things so that I could have proof. And, you know, I figured it was fair game. I tried every which way I could to try to, you know, come to some kind of peace with them. They didn't communicate. They never have. Uh, They just showed up, did bad things, hurt us, hurt my animals, killed my animals. And so I thought, okay, you know, there's no holds barred here. I can do anything that I have to to defend my wife and myself and my, my animals. The next thing that happened was that uh, uh, at Christmas time one year, we, had a, uh, we were out uh, driving, and I saw a guy uh, go around a corner real fast, and there was a Christmas tree on top of his vehicle, and the ter- Christmas tree fell off, and then a few seconds later, it, a sword fell out of the back of his truck, and I tried to honk the horn and flash the lights to signal him that this had happened, but he, he didn't stop. So I pulled over, I picked up the Christmas tree, stuck it in my truck, and I picked up the sword and took it home with me. And that's how I got the sword.
2: <laughs>
7: <Yeah>. Wow.
2: <laughs> well, so here was your weapon that actually worked. And tell us about the night that you used it.
5: Well, uh, it was about 6 p.m., and Joyce hadn't come home quite yet from work. And I, we have a like a kitchen and a living room and uh, a set of glass doors that go between the kitchen and this Arizona room which is about a thousand square foot room on the back of the house and it's got windows on one side with a door that goes out to the pool and then there's another door that goes out to the backyard and there's a door that goes out to the carport so there's four sets of doors in this one room and as I walked from the kitchen into the uh, sun porch area, all of a sudden one of these grays showed up, and then a half a second later, two more showed up. And I thought to myself, man, this is it. And I grabbed, I I reached back into the house, I walked back into the house, grabbed the sword that was in a scabbard, pulled the sword out, and I literally went out onto the sun porch and, and confronted this thing. And it didn't go away. It didn't scare away. I yelled at it. Nothing happened. So I ran it through. And uh, literally ran the sword right through the thing and right into the wall behind it. And pulled out the sword, uh, took another swipe at it, and took the head. Did it make any sound when
2: you did that? Because it probably wasn't expecting that.
5: No, No I'm sure it wasn't expecting it. It made a hissing sound. Uh, It just went... I mean, it was it was very almost like snake like and, wow. and I could hear the air come out of it. I could see the the big black eyes and the the, the eyes were like a fly's eyes. They were like multi chambered, multi pigmented. Uh, very strange. And, you know, I, I, I had a dead alien and I was like, well, um, now what do I do with it? And, and so I got on the phone. And I called a couple of people that I knew, and I said, you know, if you were ever in a situation where you just happened to have like a dead gray, what would you do with it?
2: <laughs> I and, were, uh, by the way.
5: Yeah. <laughs> and the guy was like, you know, my, this, this gentleman that I called, he says, so are you telling me you killed an alien? And I'm kind of like, well, uh, yeah, sort of. Uh, what do you do in a situation like that? And he said, well, wrap it up in plastic and put it in a freezer or wrap it up in, in you know, linen or cotton and do you have a big freezer. Well, it turned out I had a deep freeze. And so that's what I did. I took it and I put it in the deep freeze. And oh my gosh. Uh, he said, I'm going to make a couple of phone calls for you and I'll get back to you. Well, uh, the next day he called me back and he says, I've got a guy who is a scientist that works in cattle mutilations and he's been doing it for a long time. He's well known. He's, he's bonafide uh, and he'll know what to tell you. And I said, well, please have him call me. So about two hours went by and Dr. Levengood called me and I explained to him what happened and he was very excited. And he said, so you actually have the body? And I said, yes, I have the body. It's absolutely dead. And he said, have you done anything to it? And I said, the only thing I did was I did what I was told, which was to go ahead and wrap it up and put it in the freezer. And he said, okay, here's what I want you to do. And he gave me very specific instructions on how to dissect it and prepare samples. And then he said, I want you to wrap those samples up, and I want you to FedEx them to me. And that's what I did. I FedExed
2: an alien. But at the same time, we ended up with no proof because something else happened, right? Did somebody steal it or somebody – what happened? Because there was never really anything that came out of that. Well, there was. I mean, it it was –
5: he sent out samples to a few different universities that were, uh, I guess, you know, legitimate major universities. They went ahead and, and gave reports on the evidence. And those are actually, uh, you know, we actually have that, that information. I mean, it's up on the website, uh, our old website, as Bruce likes to say. Uh, not really <laughs> supposed to use that one anymore. And uh, um, so we're, we're, you know, I mean, the information's out there. Basically, what it said was from these slides that came back that were prepared was that we had something that could not be identified as anything human. Anything animal or anything plant, and it, actually the samples uh, were both plant-like and animal-like in the fact that they contain hemoglobin that also had plant material in it. And nothing so like the, that. So, what was the color
2: it. of their blood? I mean, when when you killed this thing, did you see blood? Well, it looked what like bright yeah,
5: it looked like brake like fluid. fluid. Oh my god. Or brake fluid. Yeah. Except that it was very, very acidic. Um I mean if you touched it, it would burn you. And it wouldn't Ooh. just burn you a little bit, it would burn you to the point where it would burn the uh uh you know, burn the skin on your fingers.
3: What would you very careful? It fell. Did it eat the area on which it fell on?
5: No, it, it like it literally sprayed out of this thing just like it was almost under pressure. And wow. it it was it was on a uh, Italian quarry floor, which I have throughout my house, and mm-hmm. it burned the floor a little bit, burned the finish on the floor, um, and it sprayed on the glass doors and on the wood on the trim, uh, and so we ended up uh, preparing you know slides and things from that, and that all went to Dr. Levingood. I mean, the whole carcass, everything went to Dr. Levingood. I didn't hold on to anything. But over and the where years, is it now? Does so Dr. Advanced. Levengood
2: still have it? And
5: Dr. Levengood's dead.
2: That's what I thought. So who yeah. has it?
5: And his wife's dead. Well, the the lab assistant uh, that uh, worked in the lab with him apparently packed up the entire lab, and it's somewhere in California. And yeah. we have not been able to retrieve any of the material. Uh so right now it's still kind of just out there. But well, that's there bad because that you, you're taking. the
2: first one to have that, as a civilian, to have that kind of proof.
5: Well, we we had other proof as well, and it went to other people. So mm-hmm. it, that's not the only uh, material that's out there. I mean, there so was a fair sent, amount of material that was spread around.
1: So when you sent these uh Bits and pieces out. What happened to the rest of it?
5: Well, it all went to him. I mean, he had me. Oh, it all. Went. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it was you know, it was more than one package.
0: Hmm.
5: You know, we we prepared it and sent it in various different uh, stages. Yeah. Wow. The,
0: you know, but the, the interesting
5: uh, thing is. The universities uh, that received the material apparently took material from that material and sent it to other universities because, uh, to my experience, uh, Dr. Levengood had told me that he'd only sent them to places that were kind of around him, and he was in Grass Lakes, Michigan, and so the universities were fairly, you know, in that state or around the Midwest, And I started getting calls from universities that were Ivy League universities and universities that were on the West Coast, uh, you know, big names. And uh, next thing I know, they're requesting to come and and collect their own samples, and we ended up uh, allowing a few different teams to come in and forensically examine the house uh, for material. So more material went out of here.
0: Mm.
2: So now that you've had your conversation with the plasma entity, the rainbow uh, alien, you said things have calmed down a lot. So you haven't seen any grays in a while?
5: We still see them, but we see them as if they're in a big hurry to get somewhere else.
2: Um,
5: <laughs> you know, they oh. they don't – they literally – you know, they used to just come and kind of uh, show up in, in masses. I mean, we've had, we had visitors here that uh, – you know, came and and stayed on the ranch. And Joyce and I had gone out to dinner, uh, and we were going to bring food home for this person. Uh, she wasn't feeling well. And while we were gone, the living room, apparently, like twelve of them showed up while she while we, she was here by herself. She took photographs of it, and, and you know, the whole works. I mean, we had you know, real another whole set of proof. So oh that goodness. person was an individual that was obviously a witness. We've had lots of people come over the years and, and see things and, and, you know, have experiences. We had a gal that was here in January, last January, uh, and she got very belligerent with the greys, and the next thing that happened was she had a great big scratch on her arm that bled. Uh, oh, wow. And they ended up taking one of my cats for like six weeks.
1: Oh, for heaven's and sake. Then,
5: uh, yeah, and the cat that reappeared in my truck, in a locked truck, that nobody else has keys to except me. Oh you
0: know, goodness. fortunately,
5: I got him back because he's a great cat. But, um, you know, the cat was literally, he was here one minute, and right in front of both of us, and the next minute he
6: just disappeared we're, and finished. We're, we're we almost wanna... at the top of the hour. I, I just want to add quickly, Ghost yes. Adventures went out there and it, I think it's the only extraterrestrial story they ever did. Um but they, they actually captured that hissing sound in the show. So if you oh, want to hear, hear what those aired great again,
2: isn't it, Bruce? Yeah. Is that that's coming on again.
6: I think it Yeah, I think it's on YouTube. Um you know, I, they have a YouTube channel too and they put up all their episodes. Um but yeah, yeah you can be you can actually
5: next Thursday night.
6: Okay. Oh, God. Yeah, I yeah. thought
2: I saw something that it's going to be aired again uh, next week. Well I'll tell you what we're gonna do. John, if you find out when or Bruce, whoever finds out when it's going to be aired again, let me know and we'll post it for our audience Thur- so that they can Thursday watch night. it. Thursday night. Next okay.
5: Thursday night.
2: Next Thursday. We will wonderful. post that for everybody. And thank you so much, John and Bruce, for coming on our show again and sharing this experience. Everybody get the book, Stardust Ranch. It's the wonderful truth story. Yes. And it's on, it on Lulu Amazon. as
5: well as Amazon. It's on Lulu oh, it's as terrific. well in hard copy. Great. And I am signing copies if people request it.
2: All right. What? Well, thank you, everybody. We're going to be back next week. We're going further down the rabbit hole. We're staying on this subject. Be sure to join us. Until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night. Good night.
1: Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with...